feel kind of like God. <laughs> and then this man with the devil on his hand came and took the hat. Free Britney. Free Britney. and voo dolls and all you vooties in between it is nick nobody savage and i have a very special episode of dab to death for you all joining me via zoom is a guest that i am very excited to have on the show i first saw them perform at a scream queens gorlesque show at knobs and knockers back when that was a thing and that was here in sacramento and who has since become a member of the troupe so please welcome the gothic with two C's, non-binary sensation, the dark diva of drag, Red for Filth. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Hi. And it's actually with three C's, but it's okay. Oh, three C's. <laughs> My bad. See, it's even I'm better. I'm extra as... So... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Fuck. <laughs> Good. All right. Cool. So... Um, like I sent you a, a list ahead of time, I have some questions. Um, mm -hmm. So my first one is, when did you first start doing drag and what drew you to it? Yeah, um, so I first started officially doing drag almost five years ago in um, like August. Uh, beginning of August will be like my five-year drag anniversary. Um, so that's really fun. I started doing it out in the Central Valley, specifically Modesto. Um, I literally, like, I've always loved drag. You know, I watched Tu Wong Fu, um, and Elvira, to me, is a drag queen, oh so I always yes. looked up to Elvira. Yeah. Um, so I just always knew that that was something I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know if I could, because uh, being, even though I am non-binary, being biologically female sometimes, like, it's... It, it, for a while it felt like there wasn't really a space for us yeah. um so I was too scared and also um I am a stereotypical Chinese person and I'm too afraid to fail so I didn't want to look but ugly when I first started so I was very scared <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah so I uh I started doing drag um at a Rocky Horror Picture Show um nice. I would always go like dressed in cosplay and um, that's like what I first started doing um, and then I don't know why, just one day I was like, you know what, screw it. Like, even if it looks like, but I'm going <laughs> to show up and drag and try my best. And literally on my way, walking to a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, I got a gig. Nice. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was incredible. Um, I did look, but ugly, but, <laughs> but apparently I looked good enough to get a gig. So it nice. worked. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, I have dabbled in drag myself. Um, my, my first look was actually a, a Beetlejuice inspired look. And I noticed that you did one as well. Yes. Um, yeah. And so like I went by Beetlejuicy. Um, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And so like, uh, for Halloween last year, I was going to do Poison Ivy, but, mm -hmm. uh, I like, I bought all the stuff and just, we didn't do anything for Halloween. So mm -hmm. never did it. Yeah. But I still have all the, the costume accessories, so might have to happen someday. Yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, cool. What would you say is one of your favorite parts about performing drag? Um, I mean, I, I generally love all of it. Um, I mean, I just, I love creating and 
putting my stupid brain out there in the world. <laughs> um, and I've been very lucky to have like good reception of my dumb brain. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know, it's, it's a way to, cause I, I'm, I'm not really good socially. I'm not one of those drag queens that like goes out and mingles and parties and all those things. Yeah. So, um, so through my drag, I get to kind of show people who I am um and so yeah it's just a way to kind of combine all the things I love I've loved doing makeup since I was like 13 um I've always loved doing hair I went to school for it for a little bit um and I used to like throw concerts to my stuffed animals and action figures when I was a little <laughs> kid so I mean it just uh I'm a terrible singer so this is the closest I could get <laughs> <laughs> right performer at heart though yeah, no, fully. Yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> All right. Um, so last question before we get into the story is what would you uh, what advice would you have for young or aspiring drag artists, myself included? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, drag is a lot, just so everyone knows, like you you think you can get away with this and that, but um it's it's a lot like it takes a lot of work and I mean it, there is obviously a fun element like you can just go out and do it and whatever but like if you want to take it to the next level you have to be like really committed to the level that you're going to put into it um and I mean my main piece of advice is respect your elders but also understand that sometimes the older drag performers have opinions that aren't exactly correct <laughs> so <laughs> be respectful but also understand that you are creating like for, for me I feel like I'm creating a niche in drag and you kind of just have to go full-fledged with that and be confident I know it's extremely hard to be confident but yeah. like uh like not a super confident person but I know my abilities so at least I feel like you know, I have this to offer and I hope you guys enjoy it as well is essentially my whole thing so um so yeah it's just like get to get to a level of commitment that you love and and do the things that you love even if you think it's the literal stupidest thing in the entire world someone is gonna love it I did a number as Mothman protesting my love to a lamp so <laughs> so anyone can literally do anything honestly <laughs> that's great <laughs> I love that uh um, actually, I did have one more thing before we get into the story. So now as a drag performer, I am very sure that you're probably aware of the law that was passed recently in Tennessee. Yes. Um, yeah. Targeting drag shows and outright banning them from taking place in public spaces where children may see, as well as the various other anti-drag bills being introduced in several other states. Um, so for those of you who may not be aware or who might have only heard about the law in Tennessee, a shocking 19 states have introduced potential legislation aimed at targeting drag shows, drag performers, and members of the LGBTQIA plus community overall. These bills include House Bill or HB 401 in Alabama, Senate Bill or SB 1028 and 1030 in Arizona, SB 43 in Arkansas, HB 1423 and SB 1438 in Florida, HB 231 in Idaho, Senate File or SF 348 in Iowa, SB 201 in Kansas, this is a long list, sorry, <laughs> SB 115 in Kentucky, 
SF-933 and HF-1903 in Minnesota, HB-494 and HB-1364 in Missouri, HB-359 in Montana, LB-371 in Nebraska, HB-673 in North Carolina, HB-1133 in North Dakota, which, side note, sadly put forward a record-breaking 10 anti-LGBTQ bills in one day. And HB 2186 and SB 503 in Oklahoma, HB 3616 in South Carolina, and HB 1116 in South Dakota. There were also at least four bills in Texas and one in West Virginia. So, worse still, these are not all of the anti-LGBTQ bills or laws either, just the ones that mainly target drag. What are your thoughts on this terrible onslaught of political attacks? I, I'm, I'm, anytime I hear stuff like this, I'm always like shocked because I'm just like, what freaking year are we in? (laughs) Right. It's like Jumanji. What year is it? Seriously. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me that this is still a conversation. I, you know, I get it to a degree like parents don't want their kids around certain crap. That's fine. Like, you know, you can raise your child. Stop sending them to Boy Scouts. Stop sending them to church, youth groups. Uh... (laughs) I mean, facts. like it's like there's there's danger, honestly, anywhere that you go. Hmm. And (laughs) what's crazy is like, I feel like weirdly the safest place. I mean, maybe not some drag gigs, like maybe don't come to my horror ones where people are safe (laughs) themselves. But kids aren't allowed there anyways. But. Exactly. And that's the thing is like 90% of these drag shows, there's no children there anyway. And like, so you're targeting what the, when they're reading to kids in libraries, like how is yeah, that, how is that it's offensive? It's crazy because they're literally like, that is obviously a four kids show. Like when they're all ages, I've been parts of all ages shows and they will tell me straight up like, Hey, we know that you're a slutty horror person, but can you bring something more PG so that we can still have yeah. you? And I'm like, yeah, I can freaking do that. Like it's, it was like when in SF, there was a whole um, debacle thing about uh, Nikki Jizz being part of a all ages show. Nikki changed because obviously Jizz inappropriate, right. uh, but like she changed her name then to be Nikki J. So that on the like on the posters and all that, and anytime they announced her, that was her name. But they were immediately pissed because normally her name is Nikki Jizz. And they're like, oh, she's trying to groom the kids. It's like, oh my God, literally, man. she just wants to twirl for them. Like, she just wants to show <laughs> them that it's okay to be a little weird like us. Right. Yeah. And, and that's like, I saw this thing recently about um, protests outside of the Los Angeles Un- uh, Unified School District because the LAUSD was going to do a pride event. Mm-hmm. And so all these parents have their signs and they're like, stop sexualizing our children. And we're like, nobody's sexualizing the children. We're just trying to teach them that it's okay to be who you are. Yeah, literally. Like, that's all it is. I just did a show. What is today? Saturday. So, yes, yesterday. Saturday, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just did a show yesterday in Brentwood, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know places. So I didn't realize how, like, uh, red they are over there and not red like this like yeah <laughs> um and um so i guess online when um our promoter was like posting uh stuff about our show and i was obviously on there a drag performer 
they were livid. They were like, oh, these men are going to show their balls and butts to children. And the promoter was like, this is a 21 and over show. There will be no children there. (laughs) And they just like kept going in about how we were like sexual perverts and all this stuff. And I was like, I was like, I love though that you're not mad about the burlesque dancers who legitimately get naked but me being there (laughs) is all of a sudden a huge problem and it's like there's not going to be any kids there and it's like it's just I don't know it it sends me into a whirlwind because I just like I don't it amazes me what people let take over their brain like I feel like drag queens are not harmful our like the cops are are harmful the people within our government system are harmful the people within the church like we were saying are harmful like there are bigger things that need to be taken care of literally what drag performers are doing is trying to bring happiness a sense of humor maybe yeah a sense of sexiness whatever to this weird fucked up world that we live in and i i just straight up don't understand how they don't see that yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very well put. <laughs> <sighs> sorry to bring it to such a heavy place so early. No, it's okay. I'm but, sorry you know, for getting so heated. It's just, no, 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 it's just definitely at the forefront <laughs> of like a lot of people's minds right now. And it does yeah. affect a lot of people's lives, you know, and this is Pride Month. So it's like the perfect time to bring these issues to light and talk to yeah. people about them. <sighs> so <laughs> now we can get into the story. <laughs> All right, Vooties. Now, I had asked Red what some good topics to cover might be, and when they mentioned that they were practically obsessed with Elizabeth Bathory, better known as the Blood Countess, then I just knew that had to be the topic for this week's episode, as I've been wanting to cover her story lately, and this provided the perfect opportunity. So, of course, I have to ask, what intrigues you so much about Elizabeth Bathory? I mean... She's a freaking queen. Like she, like it's, I mean, in reality, her, her background is really screwed up. I'm not delusional. I know, (laughs) I know that she did horrible, horrible things, but there's just like the, like it, it, it also kind of shows like if you're in higher class, you can get away with anything. Yikes. Still prevalent today. Um, (laughs) But like, it just, it amazed me how she, kind of went through her life and how she got away with so much crap too like uh, especially being a woman as well like I think that is a huge thing because women generally were treated like they were also the sorry my makeup brushes they were also the lower class and they were also like down below but with her um because she uh her family was in like a higher status than what she ended up marrying so that's why she also got to keep her last name as Bathory um so she was like one of the main tops of the social class um and basically when her husband would go off and because he was um a commander in um the uh for hungary i think when it was during like yeah, the higher yeah. stuff um when he like would go off or whatever she would you know get up to mischief and I mean, he kind of encouraged it because he like had her move into uh, his family castle and then was like, yeah, I'm just going to build you this torture chamber for you to have fun in. <laughs> that actually does come up in the story. And it's it's funny <laughs> because there are actually a lot of people that believe that maybe a lot of the story is fictionalized to try to bring down a powerful political woman. 
Mm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, too, because um, there's some theories, some speculation. Um, but, yeah, I do talk about, like, the torture chamber that was supposedly built, and, you know. But, like, that's the thing is, like, so where was this torture chamber? Because they had all this evidence, but then where was the evidence? Yeah, I. It, it's funny how so much of her story is, like, missing. Like, even the year she's born, they're not 100% sure. Um, and, yeah, so, and they can't even count how many times they had, like, in her diary, she said, like, about 600, whatever, but it's, like, they they have really no idea. She yeah. could just be lying and exaggerating, but. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and then they also, they never produced the diary. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so. it, I didn't even know. Yeah, so it's it's there's a lot to this story and it's really nuts. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So uh, I normally would intro like what I'm dabbing on for the week, but it's just paper planes, mystery products, so I don't <laughs> have to worry about that. Um, but I feel like a good place to start would be to talk about Elizabeth's background a little bit, since most people really only know like that she's supposedly bathed in the blood of you know young women, and that's about yeah. the extent of their knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, wrong keyboard. <laughs> okay, so the Countess Elizabeth Bathory, and you can feel free to jump in any time during my notes. By the way, yeah. uh, I just kind of have little thing here uh so the countess elizabeth bathory de exed was born on and this is speculative because like you said nobody really knows but the closest date i could find was august 7th 1560 and this was on a family in august too oh my goodness right? that more. <laughs> <laughs> see maybe maybe you're like reincarnated or something you know <laughs> honestly i would not be shocked <laughs> i always say i'm one mental uh breakdown away from being a serial killer <laughs> that's you know that's fair I actually worked at a place one time and I was on my lunch break and I was coming back with a buddy of mine. And as we were walking to the building, this guy is walking out and he goes, oh, if it isn't everybody's favorite serial killer and school shooter. And my buddy looks over and goes, why do I have to be the school shooter? And I'm like, nobody said who was who, but come on, let's be honest here. <laughs> I'm probably the serial killer. If the weird jacket fits. What is that called? The trench coat. If the trench coat yeah. fits. You <laughs> yeah, there you like, go. What's that jacket called? <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, she was born on a family estate in, oh, this is going to be hard to pronounce, near Bator, Royal Hungary, and spent her childhood at the Exed Castle. Her father's name was Baron George Bathory VI of the Exed branch of the family, Brother of Andrew Bonaventura Bathory. These guys had some really cool names. Not going to lie. I honestly miss like olden day names that were just like way right. too long and decadent. <laughs> and then they always had like a title somewhere in there like yes. of so-and-so. Yep. You know, it was like, it was great. Even like Vikings, they would be like, uh, you know, Eric's son, son of Eric the Red. And it was just right? like all part of your name. <laughs> but yeah. So we need to get back to that. We should. <laughs> Um, so yeah, brother of Andre or Andrew Bonaventura Bathory, who had been voivode, voivode of Transylvania, and I looked it up, and a voivode is a title denoting a military leader or warlord, warlord, in Central, Southeastern, and Eastern Europe in use since the early Middle Ages. Hmm. 
So yeah, Voivode. Voivode, I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah. Uh, her mother's name was Baroness Anna Bathory, daughter of Stephen Bathory of Somlio, also a Voivode of Transylvania, who was of the Somlio branch of the Bathory family. Apparently the whole family has like branches... Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, so it kind of like if they're both of the Bathory family, though, is this kind of incestuous? Yes, the the whole thing is incest driven. Like uh, even Elizabeth marries her own like cousin or something. Oh, did not her... know that they were cousins. That's... Yeah. And then they're the parents, I think, are even grossly like closely related. Like, oh. I don't I can't I could be wrong, but I feel like I read somewhere that they were actually brother and sister. I oh. could be wrong, though. <laughs> well, and, I mean, back then, there was a lot of that. It was pretty regular Schmegula back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, Elizabeth was pretty well connected. Through her mother, Elizabeth was the niece of the Hungarian noble Stephen Bathory, which, isn't that her father's name? So I think you're right. They might be brother-sister. Yeah, I feel like they're they're very closely related. Like, to, well, I mean, cousins is still too close, but very close. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she was also related to the King of Poland, the Grand Duke of Lithuania of the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth, mm-hmm. and the Prince of Transylvania. So of course, being born into this life of privilege. Uh, privilege and nobility had its benefits, and Elizabeth was endowed with wealth, a prominent social rank, and a great ed- education, including learning Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek at a very young age. So that's kind of cool. Like, I would love to be able to speak that many languages. I honestly feel like that should be more of a thing in our education right. system is like literally like because I know they make us take languages, but who th- I definitely don't remember any of my classes. I took two years of Spanish and I can ask you where the bathroom is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like we especially now, like we should definitely at least learn one. I think like in Japan, your minimum supposed to learn at least two others than Japanese. See, and that that's great. Like, it makes sense, especially because, like, the world is so intermingled and, like, interwoven at this point yeah. that, like, you know, I where I live, we have, like, a large community of Ukrainian, uh, and, like, people that have come over. And so it's, like, you know, that would be a really super, you know, useful language to be able to speak is, like, anything like that. So you could – but it's just, yeah, it's just stupid that people don't focus on, like, speaking other people's languages and like being able to connect with other people yeah seriously yeah um what else okay so as a child uh elizabeth would have several seizures that may have actually been caused by epilepsy and fun fact that at the time symptoms of epilepsy were described as falling sickness and treatments included rubbing the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an epileptic or giving the epileptic a mix of non-sufferer's blood and pieces of skull as their episode ended. In a... so th- oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of creepy because it's like, this is actually where the first introduction of blood comes into this story. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like, maybe that's what laid the whole groundwork for the story in the first place. Well, yeah, there was like, in that time period especially, there was a lot of like, 
uh, I mean, blood in general for cleansing, whether it was literally like bloodletting or yeah, like the rubbing of the lips or the blood on the lips or whatever. Um, yeah, they were weird. They tried yeah. everything. Yeah. That was a, uh, what was it? I think it was a million ways to die in the West when he's like talking about like, oh, you know, the doctor's like, oh, you got a, a head tumor. Let me peck at it with a pair or a woodpecker or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, sing it's, a song while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it sounds fun. Um, all right. At the age of 13, shortly before her marriage, Bathory allegedly gave birth to a child. This child was said to have been fathered by a peasant boy and was supposedly given away to a local woman who was trusted by the Bathory family. The validity of this rumor, however, is often distipped disputed as it was just a town rumor that came about after her death um i mean most of the story kind of is based on rumors so well yeah i mean there's not very much evidence that tells us what really happened there's so there's so little documentation and you would think that's that's kind of weird because like at this point in time with like if somebody was even offended by somebody or something they would file a complaint and it was like recorded and like it was like there was like a lot of weird stuff about the fact that none of this is recorded well yeah especially because she had like such a high status you would think someone would be taking notes about some stuff that was going on but right I don't know. yeah something like a court reporter just sitting there in the corner yeah just know? a stenographer just like <laughs> what doing? can you run that back <laughs> yeah sorry can you say that one more time i missed it <laughs> <laughs> There was gushing blood. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> was it gushing in an arc or a stream? Yeah, I need to know specifically. <laughs> uh, speaking of her marriage, Elizabeth was engaged to be married to Count Frank Nedasti, basically right after the alleged birth of her first child. This was purely a political arrangement within the circles of the aristocracy, but keep in mind that she was only 13 years old at this time, which, like, I get that it's whole different times and everything, but it's just still cringy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little wrong. On May 8th, 1575, Bathory and Nadazdi were married at the Palace of Vranov nad Taplo. There's a lot of weird words in here. The marriage combined the two's land ownership in both Transylvania and the Kingdom of Hungary. Nadazdi even gifted Elizabeth his castle of Sechte. Sechte. I'm going to go with Sechte. So, uh, Sechte for their wedding. So, like, she got a whole castle for her wedding. That's kind of yeah, that, cool. that was legit his family's castle. He was just like, oh, yeah, here you go, wife. Whatever. Right. Just here, you want a castle? Have a castle. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Which, who's going to give me a castle? Honestly, like... hello. Step up your game out there. Hey, the standards are so low these days. <laughs> we just want you to rubber our name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, after their wedding, the couple lived in Nadasti's castle at Sarvar, and their first daughter, Anna, was born in 1585. This was followed by the births of their other children, Orsolia in 1590, Catalin in 1594, Andras in 1596, and Piau in 1598. Their children were primarily cared for by governesses. I mean, that was kind of the thing of the uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, if you can get out of raising a kid, why not? I think she was um, 
rather busy. <laughs> she was occupied with other hobbies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that we've covered a little bit about Elizabeth Bathory's past, and before we get into the atrocities that she supposedly committed, I think it's a good time for a dab break and to ask you some more questions. Cool. Uh, so what was your very first drag look and first performance? Um, well, my very first drag look was the, at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I wore a pink lace front wig that I styled, <laughs> if we can call it that. Um, I did like a, like I was wearing like a, almost like a Wednesday Adams-esque dress, but it was a long version instead of just like a short um, below the knee type dress. Um, I don't even know what, like black lipstick or something. I mean, there's a video of me somewhere. If you go deep enough into my Instagram of me, like at the Rocky Horror Show, thinking I'm like the hottest thing ever. There's literally a video of me just being like, <laughs> and I'm like, calm down. <laughs> um, but my first drag performance well, I guess my first, because, like, I did a well, You mentioned you had gotten your first gig on the way to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Yeah. Um, well, that, that gig was embarrassing. <laughs> uh, because, like, it was obviously, like, my first time in drag and, like, or first time performing in drag. Um, and, like, I didn't, because it was, like, a, a, I don't know if any of the viewers are from Modesto, but there used to be a club uh, called Climax. Um, and it was very like top forties club, you know? Um, so when I went, I was just like, oh my God, this is my first time performing in drag. This audience is not going to like the type of music I like. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell do I do? And apparently this is something that all new drag queens do, uh, as I've noticed from my years of doing drag, for some reason I decided to do call me mother baby drag queens don't do that song it's so difficult why do we all choose it first it's so stupid of us <laughs> literally so dumb it is like such a difficult song um and i wore like the largest like lady gaga-esque looking heels i was so stupid literally like i thought i was like the one and i was falling all over the place i was a mess um but yeah, I mean, like, I don't like counting that as my first drag performance because they're so awful. <laughs> um, right. I like to say that my first one was um, at a at a youth uh, group. So take that, conservatives. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I did it. Uh, it was inspired by American Horror Story. Um, I don't. Oh, I did Bad Kids by Lady Gaga. Um, so it was basically like a song about like kids who are called the bad kids. Like, just like, I, it was basically like a song, like being like, just do whatever the hell you want. We're all weirdos. Um, so yeah, so that, that I like to call my first drag performance. Cause I felt like it was actually good and it also had a message and I was also doing my actual style of drag. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Um, so when did you first come across the scream Queens and when did you first perform with them? Yeah. Um, so I, 
I think, well, I mean, I start, I was cosplaying first, like I said, so I went to um, Sinister Creature Con numerous times um, just in cosplay and to like hang out. Um, I would help out some, like I would volunteer for the uh, cosplay contest and like help like get signups and get people on the stage and all that stuff. Um, so obviously Tim um, is in charge of Sinister Creature Con and he's also like our main guy who's in charge of Scream Queens as well. Um, so basically he reached out to me cause he saw that I was like dabbling in drag. Um, and he was like, if you want to come out for a show, you can. And it was a, I think the first one, man, which one was the first one? I can't remember if the first time I went out there was the 420 show or if it was actually, it had to be the 420 show. Cause I think the show that you saw me at was a Halloween show, right? Or yeah, I think so. I yeah. think it was closer to Halloween. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I, so I think I, I was at the 420 show too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so then you saw like one of my first Scream Queen shows. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I because I remember at that time I wasn't like out about smoking, <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is gonna out me, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it was fine, and I did like uh, my own version of the telephone mix that every drag performer also does. I remember does. that. I remember um, that, yeah. And I wore, yeah, I wore this, like, giant green jacket, which I still have. Uh, <laughs> um, and, like, a sequin romper I got from H&M. <laughs> um, but I was living. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they they just, like, basically, uh, like, kept hiring me. They, they thought I was really funny and liked what I did and... Um, yeah, I've been really lucky with the Screen Queens. They've they've just been awesome. Tim and um, Danny, Morgana, Sriracha, like all of them. Chris now, obviously, like they're all dope. So. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, ever since like we came across the Scream Queen shows, like we just fell in love with it. Yeah. Like it's just such a welcoming environment, and like like uh, they did like a masquerade one, mm-hmm. and we went there, and we, like they pulled a bunch of people up on the stage because they were doing like a costume contest or whatever. And so I go up there and I've got like my horned devil mask. Like it's like one of those old, like fancy ones. I got it from Evangelines in old sack. And yeah, I love Evangelines. (laughs) And so like I had this whole like suit like thing on with like just a bow tie and like, you know, a suit jacket and no shirt. And then like, so they started playing drop it like it's hot. And I look around and I'm like, number one, I don't normally dance in front of people. I don't, I'm like a very shy person normally, but like if I'm in costume or you don't know who I am, it's a whole different thing apparently because I looked around and like, everybody's just kind of like doing their little like, Oh, you know? And so like, I just dropped it and like I got down and (laughs) it was funny too, because like my sister was in the crowd with her, like her husband and like, it was just yeah, she's like, I didn't even know you could get down like that. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I didn't either. I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. get it. Sometimes you just feel it. I always tell, like, yeah. if I ever am doing a duo with someone, I'm like, I'm just going to pre-warn you. When I get into drag, I go into animal mode. Um, <laughs> so there will be things that I do that I'm not even going to remember. So just sorry in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not me 100% then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, so that sounds like a bloody good time. Speaking of bloody times, let's get back into the story and start talking about what Elizabeth is famous for, 
whether the stories are true or not. Rumors of Elizabeth's heinous acts largely began spreading between 1602 and 1604, especially after the death of her husband, Frank. It was said that the Count had allegedly constructed her a torture chamber built to her specifications shortly after they were married in order to please her, which, again, step up your game, men. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) She had an entire room. What are y'all doing? Right. Like, come on. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and this is where she would supposedly torture and kill approximately 650 people, primarily young women and servants. Uh, One thing I came across in my research that I thought was kind of messed up and very telling is that, like, all these rumors were going around about her killing servants and, like, people were just like, meh, whatever. But then the second they were like, oh, but I think she killed some noble people, too. They were like, we got to look into this. Yep. That's how she got caught was because she was doing, uh, it was like uh, higher up's daughter. She was like, yeah, they were, like, getting sent there for, like, some kind of training or etiquette classes or some yeah, shit. Yeah, it was uh, women's quarters. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so as soon as the nobility got involved, then it was a problem. They were like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> um, so, Bathory allegedly burned her victims with hot irons, beat them with clubs, stuck needles under their fingernails, poured ice water over their bodies and left them to freeze to death outside in the cold, covered them in honey so that bugs would feast on their exposed skin, sewed their lips together, and bit chunks of flesh off of their breasts and faces. That's a lot. I I mean, it's probably rumor, obviously, but there is a story that the person that she bit the breast off of that uh, she... Uh, made her servants cook it like after like she spit it like she bit it off spit it out made her servants cook it and then fed it back to the persons who oh my god that's kind of (laughs) savage right oh my god and that's the thing is like so if these stories are true she is literally the most prolific serial killer in history a hundred percent yeah, because, like, everybody's like, oh, you know, these guys that killed, like, 100, 200 people. I'm like, that's cool, but, like, 650. You put a woman to work, she's going to get it done twice as good as serial <laughs> <laughs> killers. But then, of course, the men are just going to be like, well, no, 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 history doesn't count, you know. Yeah, there's no real evidence. It's like, yeah. a, I'm sure if this was about... Uh, I don't know, Edward Bathory or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Charles true. Bathory. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, yeah, good old Charlie. <laughs> good old Charlie. Yeah. Uh, so, witnesses, quote, this is witnesses, claimed that Bathory's favorite method of torture was using scissors to mutilate her victims' bodies and faces. She supposedly would use the instrument to cut off their hands, noses, and genitals. She sometimes even used scissors to slice open the skin between victims' fingers. I don't know why, but that one makes me cringe more than anything else. Well, yeah, the the the, the little vagina, web. It's not it's not a good place to cut up. Yeah, no, even like a paper cut right there is the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I'm so yeah. I forgot. I have uh like a a 
a replica pair of Elizabeth Bathory scissors. They don't know what the hell they admire, <laughs> but can I grab them really fast? Yeah, Just definitely. Also, ex- uh, I'm definitely wearing full tights and not my boxers with this dress. Don't look. <laughs> Let me see if I can even reach it. Cool. Okay. Yeah, these are her scissors. Oh. But. They look really nice. <laughs> okay, I love that they have a case, number yes. one. It has a sheath, of right? course. That uh, is... safe scissoring. And they're super <laughs> ornate, too. Yeah, I love the, like, uh, like decadence on it, and obviously the red stones, yeah. I mean, whether those were her scissors or not, they should have been. Honestly, we're just going to pretend like they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fits with my fantasy, so we'll just say. And I'm, right. I'm her reincarnated, so it's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> you would be able to know better than anyone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be even more scared of me now that we're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Words out now. Yeah, well, uh, I always yeah. say don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's good reason. Yeah. Uh, so if these allegations are true, then where would these dark desires have come from? Well, if history.com is to be believed, even though Elizabeth Bathory counted many luminaries among her relatives, her family tree also featured some seriously disturbed branches. One of her uncles supposedly instructed her in the ways of Satanism while her aunt taught her all about sadomasochism, which sounds like the more fun-ism to me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, number one, you've got to throw the Satanists under the bus, of course. Satanic panic always. Yeah. Apparently it wasn't just back in, like, the 19-somethings. It's been around since the 1500s. Who knew? Uh, It's even been claimed that the Count may have participated in the torture, but that he did so to try and help restrain her urges, and that after his death, she became even worse than she already was. Which, I mean, if you ain't got anybody around to keep you in check anymore, why not do what you want to do? I love that his excuse for joining in is, I was restrain her right i didn't want to i didn't want to participate i want to do it <laughs> i just I built her a room for it, it <laughs> yeah i only built fault. a torture chamber i would i didn't think we would use it it was just for decoration right <laughs> <laughs> it was purely for the aesthetic yeah yeah <laughs> After rumors of Bathory's atrocities had spread, Lutheran minister Istvan Magyari made complaints against her publicly and to the court in Vienna. In 1610, King Matthias II assigned Georgi Thurzo, the Palatine of Hungary, to investigate. Thurzo ordered two notaries, Andras Karasturi, and Moses Siraki to collect evidence in March. By October, they had collected 52 witness statements, and by 1611, that number had risen to over 300. 
So basically, people jumped on board real quick. They were like, oh, yeah, I heard this from so-and-so down the street. And that was a witness statement. Well, I mean, what was there to do other than to gossip back then? True. People still have nothing better to do. I was about to say, there's still a lot lot better to do. I mean, look at fucking Vanderpump Rules and Scandaval. (laughs) The fact that that took over social media for like a month. It was like all you saw anywhere on TikTok, on anything is Sandoval's a liar. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So these witnesses claimed that they had seen Elizabeth bathe in and drink the blood of the young woman she would kill, saying that she believed the blood would keep her young and beautiful. Which this is actually... uh, I've I've heard of this in a couple of other instances where they use like blood magic to try and like maintain youth or vigor or life, you know, like and I mean I guess in the essence of if you're thinking about it like magic, it does make sense because you're consuming the life force of another person. Yeah. But like scientifically and realistically it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was be like I mean, they just thought doing anything with blood would fix everything. So it was just like, I mean, it it made sense that that was like what she went with. Obviously, she went full ham with it. But like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was very like of the time. And I mean, yeah, she was in reality, she wasn't the only one using blood for beauty. She was just using it way too much. Yeah. (laughs) In excess, you know, it's like too much of anything is a bad thing. Yeah, but I remember, like, uh, there were stories of, like, you know, they would dabble blood on their skin, you know, to, like, soak it in and, like, restore the, the, the firmness and the youth of their skin. So, like, it's not just Elizabeth Bathory. It's been around. Well, there, I mean, even now is uh, a, I don't know the technical term for it, but they call it a vampire facial. Oh, my God. I saw this, like the little needles or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, like, take your own blood and then, like, spin it in this thing. So, like, the, like, things in it separate. And then they take the, like, good part of your blood (laughs) and, like, inject that into your face. (laughs) So what do they do with the bad part of your blood? Drink it. I don't know. It sounds like a company that vampires would set up. Yeah. They'd be like, here, come give us your blood for facial treatments. And then they're just like, we're going to give you the, like the tiny little bit of blood. And then we're going to take the rest. We're going to go over there and get them done. And it's going to be like owned by like Nadja and Laszlo and all them. And it's going to give it away. (laughs) We know you're not a normal, regular person. (laughs) What what was his, his human name? Crap. I'm forgetting that. Jackie Daytona. We know you're a vampire, Jackie Daytona. Oh, my God. Speaking of vampires, these rumors of blood drinking make Elizabeth Bathory one of the first alleged vampires in documented history. Fun fact, the Blood Countess, as she comes to be known, actually served as part of the inspiration for Dracula, which set the tone for vampire fiction for years to come. Uh, And I think that's always really cool because, like, when I was younger, I always assumed Dracula was, like, because it wasn't the rumor. It was, like, based off of Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I always thought it was that. Yeah. So, like, I always assumed it was that. But, like, 
Elizabeth Bathory makes a little more sense to me because like Vlad the Impaler was just like, yeah, I'll like impale people on spikes and like kill hundreds of people. But like, I didn't, it wasn't so much about the blood for him, was it? Yeah, I think, I feel like for him, it was mostly they just liked his like relentlessness. And I mean, he had like a, a bloodlust, but obviously not like how Elizabeth did. Like his right. was more just like, he liked killing people. Yeah. And so he's, he should be like a notorious, yeah, like serial killer type thing. She, I guess, yeah, you could put her more in the vampire aspect because obviously she drank it as well as bathing in it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it was decided that Elizabeth was to be arrested and her massive estates, which had been increased dramatically with the death of her husband, were to be divided up. On December 13th, and I kept finding, like, conflicting timelines on this part because it was like, oh, in 1612, it was decided she was going to be arrested and this, that, and the other. But then the trials for her accomplices occurred in 1611, and she was already under arrest by 1611 under house arrest. So it's like weird that there's some places saying 1612 and some are saying 1611, but somewhere in that time frame, uh, she gets arrested and yeah, on New Year's Eve, she gets arrested at the Sesje Castle and along with four of her servants who were basically accused of being her accomplices. These were Dorotia Semtes, Ilona Gio. Katerina Benica and Janos Uvjari. Immediately after her arrest, her family, who ruled Trans Transylvania, sought to avoid the loss of Bathory's properties, which were at risk of being seized. And I mean, rightfully so. Like, these douchebags sound like they were just intimidated by a powerful woman and just kind of wanted to come in and be like, <clears throat> this is ours now. Well, yeah. I mean, they were like, oh, we finally caught you up on something, basically. Yeah. Typical white guys. <laughs> actually are they hungarian is that i don't know anyway what uh, is that? that's europe though right yeah yeah it's european yeah <laughs> for the sake of our argument it's white yeah exactly Sorry if you're hungarian and don't identify as white <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Um, so, despite the fact that the entire case against Elizabeth was based on rumors, lacked any substantial evidence, and most of the witness statements, especially those from witnesses close to her, like Ilona and Dorothea, were extracted by means of torture. The trials for her accomplices would take place on January 2nd and January 7th of 1611. During these trials, it was claimed that Elizabeth had killed 650 people, but this number came from the claims of a servant girl named Susanna, claiming that Jacob Silvasi, Bathory's court official, had seen the figure recorded in one of Elizabeth's private notebooks. However, the book was never revealed, so these claims could never be substantiated. So it's kind of like, oh, well, this guy told me he saw it in a book, and so that's where I got 650 from. And it's like, so it's, the whole case is like hearsay. Yeah, I, I thought, for some reason, I thought they did have the diary, and that's why they were like, oh. Well, they, they claimed they had it, but I don't 
they never released it. They never provided it. There was never, because like I feel like that would provide all the documentation we would need. I mean, that's true. You know, it's like if you have the smoking gun, why not use it? Yeah. But on January twenty fifth, sixteen eleven. Thurzo wrote a letter to King Matthias saying that they had captured and confined Bathory to her castle, explaining that she was locked in a brick room, which this might have actually started that whole rumor about her being bricked into a room in the castle and left to die. Kind of like the whole cask of Amontillado. Yeah. Um, But that's clearly not the case. She didn't get bricked into a wall. Uh, according to other sources, including written, uh, written documents from the visits of priests, she was able to move freely about in the castle, so it was more like modern-day house arrest. Mm. Yeah. So, like, they were basically like, yeah, we've got her bricked into this room, and she can't go anywhere. And the servants and the priests are like, no, she's kind of just walking around the castle doing her thing. Yeah. <laughs> So Elizabeth would remain confined within her own castle for years, despite never actually going to trial herself. Until one evening on August 20th, 1614, when Bathory complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold. Whereupon he replied, It's nothing, mistress. Just go lie down. She went to sleep and was found dead the following morning. So I almost have to wonder, like, was she poisoned? Was she killed? Because, like... I mean, I have a theory that she was poisoned because there's another theory that her husband, the reason why he died was by poison, a certain poison. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, So there's a part of me that wonders if someone within the castle was like, well, I'm going to give you a dose of your own medicine, especially since you're not Mm. going to trial. But that's Mm. my own. So then do you think that maybe she poisoned her husband? I do think so, to be honest. Because she had other lovers and she was like doing her own thing. And then she also, yeah, she had the dalliance even before they got married. So Mm. like, I, I feel like in reality, she didn't really like marriage to her was just a point of status. And I mean, she didn't even need it in general because she was more higher up than even he was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I'll talk about it even later, but like King Matthias actually owed a huge debt to the Bathory family. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Elizabeth. So, um, yeah, so Elizabeth Bathory was buried in the church of Sesche on November 25th, 1614. But according to some sources, due to the villagers' uproar, her body was moved to her birth home of Exed, where it was interred at the Bathory family crypt. However, as of today, the location of her body is unknown, but believed to be buried deep in the church area of the castle. However, the Sesche Church and the Castle of Sesche do not have any markings of her possible grave, so we may never know. It's kind of sad that, like, such a historical figure is, like, lost. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense. Like, they probably were like, we're just going to tuck this story away. We're going to pretend like this 
not sweep it under the rug yeah Yeah. so i feel like honestly that's what it was and yeah like if the um if the people of like her area were like ew we don't want her out here then yeah i feel like they just buried her somewhere random on their land and market and we're just like they probably put other bodies eventually on top of her so yeah yeah so that is the supposed story put forth by history but is it the truth before we get into that debate however i think it's a good time for the last dab break and a few more questions for you uh do 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 so first question is i'm sure that you have performed at a pretty wide range of events in different venues but what is your favorite venue or event you've performed at so far well my favorite venue is the colonial theater Um, because I get to obviously be with my family the Scream Queens Um, also like uh, they're in our dressing room is like a separate area that has like a vanity thing and I've basically kind of claimed that as my area (laughs) (laughs) literally every time like we have a show I'm like hi I call the little room (laughs) like I'm sorry that's my territory yeah basically um, That's cool. And luckily, because everyone knows how extra as hell I am, they're like, yes, Red, we know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we already uh, saved it for you, don't worry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I love going there. Like, the, the Scream Queens have always made me feel, like, super accepted. And they, I mean, they literally let me do basically whatever the hell I want, which I very much love. Nice. Um, and yeah. Um, favorite event, though... Hmm. that's so tough because like i i've i've done so many shows at this point and there are so many that are my favorites like obviously i i love every time i get to do a scream queen show um even though i think the audience was very confused i love performing at sinister creature con <laughs> um i i did uh at the um uh for World Goth Day, the Menagerie Oddities like host a thing. I saw um, that. Yeah, and I did I did their whole day dressed as divine. Um, so that was like really fun. Um, because in general I just I love that event. Um, and then like also getting to like work it and getting to also be divine is very freeing because she's just awesome and fun to play around with, especially because I don't have to wear a corset when I dress as her, so it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man i wish i could just pick one but i feel like i've been like so lucky to get to do so many cool things um that yeah it's really hard to pick one i mean there are obviously like highlights but yeah it's super hard to pick just one (laughs) nice well i mean probably one of the highlights i would assume is last october the scream queens had a show with two very iconic drag super monsters. Oh. So, what was it like getting to perform at a show with the Boulet brothers? Iconic. First off, we were the first place in Sacramento to book them. I mean, I've never heard of like any like smaller like local troops or anybody like booking the Boulet brothers like they usually do their own shows and that's it. Yep. Yep. So, like, that was amazing. We got them. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Like, it was such yeah. a good show. Um, yeah, it was amazing getting to perform with them, getting to, like, talk with them. Like, they... So you did get to meet them. Okay, cool. Of course. Yeah, 
Um, and I pre-warned them. I was like, just so you know, you will definitely be seeing my face again. <laughs> um, and like the dress that I wore was this um, like uh, like PVC red leathery type mm-hmm. looking thing with like pointed shoulders and stuff. And uh, yeah, I remember that one. I wore it because it, it every every time I wear it, everyone's like, you look like a mini boulet. So oh. I had to bring it and I told them, I was like, I was like, everyone says this is my mini boule dress. So I have to <laughs> wear it for you guys. Um, and it was so cute because immediately they were like, they were like, yeah, it gives us us, but it also gives us Sigourney Beaver. And I was like, Sigourney's oh my God, my yes, friend. Sigourney Beaver. I love her. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I was like, I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you noticed, I actually have the Hello Uglies fan. Hello, and then yes. I have the, the autographed print. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the Boulay brothers. Yeah, they're awesome. Um that my first time meeting them too. I mean, it was obviously the first time they knew of my name because when I first met them was at uh DragCon. Yeah. Um and I was also dressed as Jareth, so that's probably all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um uh so yeah, but yeah, they were super awesome and like they they loved us as the screen queens and yeah, uh Christopher and I were just like watch out for our uh our audition tapes oh my god so. that's great yeah because like that would be amazing if you could get on dragula yeah i mean that's definitely one of my goals um i didn't audition for this like the season that's going to be coming up but i'm definitely going to audition for the next season nice. and if they don't book me then the one after that and the one after right. that just keep doing that, it I'm not gonna yeah, forget no. me. <laughs> you'll you'll get there you're gonna you're gonna get there. if i have to pull an alaska with them I will. <laughs> oh my god um lastly uh and i already know it's all right because i cleared it with you previously but uh i would like to ask about oliver graves um i saw on i think it was facebook a while back and it mm-hmm. was after the the knobs and knockers show i'm assuming yeah. Um, but I saw that you two were in a relationship. So it was like the knobs and knockers show where you met, like what's, what's he like? You know, I love, I love his comedy. That's why I ask. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we met at the screen Queens, the knobs and knockers show. Um, he then later slid into my DMs while I was at drag con. Um, yeah, it, we didn't end very well. Oh. Um, so I don't talk to him anymore. Ah. Um, I I don't want to like harp on bad stuff because it's out of the way and I don't really like to be involved in tea and drama and all that. But like what I can say is that like um, he is definitely different from his persona. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, like it's, it's just the way that we ended that makes it really difficult. Like I, you know, I would, I still like, if we ever did a gig together, obviously I'm going to be very professional. Um, but yeah, it's kind of at the mode of where, uh, I don't, I don't communicate with him. Don't really want to. <laughs> Understood. Sorry to bring it up. No, it's okay. I, <laughs> it's, uh, I was debating whether or not to answer this question, but, um, like, because obviously like we were very public about our relationship so i get it like i get it being asked um and it is it is shitty that it ended the way that it did um but like it is what it is and honestly like i personally 
ill like it was better at the end even though like it did come at a really hard time because like literally I got dumped and then because he dumped me I'll be honest about that bit (laughs) um and then like my grandfather got sick and then COVID freaking hit and then my my grandma got sick and I was just like Uh... dang the fates are legit like red you're gonna go through some depression (laughs) (laughs) get ready bitch but um at the end of it like I he did teach me a lot because he's he's been performing longer than me. Mm-hmm. Um, some advice that I took, some that I will absolutely never take. <laughs> um, but, you know, like it it shaped me to be the person that I am now because I do. Um, one thing that he definitely did teach me was to just be like confident um, because. I hope he would still say this, I think he always saw me as a star um and i definitely appreciated that um he was also like a huge proponent of being like why the hell aren't you getting more gigs back when i wasn't (laughs) funny gigs yeah um so i do appreciate that um and yeah like i said i've grown a lot my confidence at least as a performer is like super up and i work super duper hard and you know i saw like what he did when he was like touring around and performing and stuff so like I guess in a in even though it didn't end great, like I learned a lot as a performer, um, and also about myself too. Um, nice. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's hard feelings, but I'm not gonna punch him or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna bloodlet him or anything. Right. I'm not gonna go Elizabeth Bathory on him or anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe if I find some poison that can kill him in a couple of years. <laughs> well, and that's, that was actually when you mentioned that you thought she had poisoned her husband. I actually hadn't even thought about that because when in my research, all I saw was that he had developed an illness that like affected his legs or his ability to walk or whatever. And then like three years later he died. So like, I just thought it was like an actual medical thing. I thought I put it in my notes here, the name of the poison but I guess I didn't. Um, but yeah, there's like a specific poison. Uh, it has some crazy, like super bougie name or whatever. Um, <laughs> but like it, it gives you symptoms that only feel like flu like symptoms. And then they, mm. they, it slowly starts to get like worse and worse. Mm. Um, so because like he's, uh, at least in my research, it said like he, uh, he was feeling sick for like three years. So I think honestly, what she was doing was that Slowly anytime he, yeah him. anytime he would come home to visit or something i feel like she would just be like oh here you go honey <laughs> i made you some tea yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I don't know like she huh. she could have literally not even had him on her mind and he yeah just did die of some weird illness or whatever but okay. i i'm just you know she's a very smart lady so i'm just like you know (laughs) well and it's funny too because like i was going into this episode pretty convinced that maybe she didn't do it but now i'm kind of like maybe she did like you know because like and if she did like yeah it's fucked up but like like you said it's just such a strong figure you know like especially because like back then especially women were like attributed to just being weak or less than and like so for a woman to to be able to do this to like come in and be like the most prominent prolific serial killer in the history of the world yeah that's pretty dope 
And so. she got away with it for a long time. I yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think they said that it was 1585 when she supposedly started killing people, and yeah. 1610, 1611 is when she was like arrested. So yeah. that's a pretty long time. That's a good run. Yep, that's yeah. <laughs> a good run. <laughs> that would make some other guys on this tapestry over here jealous. Yeah. Well, I mean, facts like. <laughs> I, like I say, get a woman to do it. She's got it. <laughs> Efficiency. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, it's time to get back into this story about a different grave situation. Sorry. Had to. <laughs> it took me a moment to understand what that joke was. And then when I got it, I was like, I feel so stupid for not even getting it in the first second. <laughs> but yes. Uh so, if you believe the claims that Elizabeth Bathory was a blood-drinking monster that killed at least 650 people, then this makes her the most pro prolific serial killer in history, as we've said. But, what if you don't believe these outlandish stories of torture and death? What could cause Elizabeth Bathory to go down in history in such a way? Well, several authors, such as Laszlo Nagy and Dr. Irma, you're killing me with these names here, Dr. Irma Zadeski-Cardos, have argued that Elizabeth Bathory was a victim of a conspiracy. Nagy argued that the proceedings against Bathory were largely politically motivated, possibly due to her extensive wealth and ownership of large areas of land in Hungary, which increased after the death of her husband. This theory is consistent with Hungarian political conflicts, especially relating to the wars with the Ottoman Empire, the spread of Protestantism, and the extension of Habsburg power over Hungary. Moreover, King Matthias owed a large debt to Bathory, which was canceled after she was arrested. Yeah, convenient, huh? Yeah, yeah. very. A little, a little strange. It's like, oh, darn, all this debt's gone. So, if this was all politically motivated, and Elizabeth was simply being framed, then the three Hutton... The 300 witness testimonies and physical evidence that was collected needs to be addressed. My solution for this, though, is a quite simple one. As I mentioned earlier, a large portion of the witnesses were either tortured into giving their statements or were merely repeating rumors that they had heard from other people, neither of which would be admissible in today's judicial system. And as for the physical evidence, I have already asked the question, what physical evidence? The evidence included numerous bodies and dead and dying girls that were supposedly found when the castle was entered by Thurzo. Zadeski Cardos argues that the physical evidence was exaggerated, and Thurzo misrepresented the dead and wounded hospital patients as victims of Bathory, since disgracing her would greatly benefit his political state ambitions. It's also not surprising that rumors would circulate about Elizabeth in the first place, since being a widow in charge of a large estate, 
Bathory would have been susceptible to rumors that she was involved in witchcraft. Because scapegoating widows and accusing them for being responsible for natural deaths was a fairly commonplace event in Central Europe during this time. So basically, just because she was a single woman in charge of a lot of land, people were like, she's a witch. Gotta be a witch. (laughs) Well, what I'm thinking about is like, if this is all rumors and whatever, Mm -hmm. they cooked up some good rumors. I I just want to say. Hell of a story, right? (laughs) I'd be like, you know what? If you're going to at least frame me, I'm glad you guys went like super off the cuff with this story because at least i'll be memorable (laughs) right like she will forever be known like forever yeah so i mean if anything they did her a favor then yeah (laughs) because nobody would have known her name if she hadn't like if she really didn't do any of this and they didn't make up the lies then like nobody would know who she was yeah she would have just been like another person in the lineage yeah so i mean uh Oh, yeah, my next point. Even historians say that the story, the true story of Elizabeth Bathory probably looked more like this. The countess owned strategically important land that increased her family's already vast wealth. As an intelligent, powerful woman who ruled without a man at her side, and as a member of a family whose wealth intimidated the king, his court went on a mission to discredit and ruin her. So, I guess that in the end, the best case scenario is that Bathory abused her her servants, but yeah, is that Bathory abused her servants, but came nowhere near the level of violence alleged. Worst case, she was a blood-sucking demon sent from hell to murder young women. Either way, her impression on history is a big one, as most people know the name of Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. In fact, even the film industry has cashed in on this story many times, with the top ten movies based on Elizabeth Bathory being The Countess, Hostel Part 2, which I did not know that one. Not entirely sure where she comes in on that, but it's been a while since I've seen Hostel Part 2 as well. So, Yeah, I'm not remembering at all. Yeah. But... I remember the original one, but that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Uh, also, Daughters of Darkness, mm-hmm. Countess Dracula, Thirst, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, Stay Alive. There we go. Cha- I was like, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> Chastity Bites, uh, Bathory, and The Brothers Grimm. And of course, we can't forget mentioning that Lady Gaga's character in American Horror Story Hotel, The Countess was based on Bathory as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that pretty much wraps up the story of Elizabeth Bathory. And once again, a massive thank you to you for joining us for this episode. <laughs> uh, you can find Red for Filth on Instagram at Red for Filth. That is R-E-D-D-F-A-F-I-L-T-H. Uh, other than your Instagram, are there any socials that you would like to plug or any performances that you have coming up that you would like to promote? Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm Red Fulfilled almost on everything except for TikTok. I'm at Creeps Creations if you use TikTok. I'm old. I try my best. 
Um, (laughs) Honestly, social media is my biggest struggle in trying to do a podcast. It's like, I know I need to get better at it and like, it would help so much more if I did it, but yeah, I struggle with it. (laughs) You should honestly just post like, even just like little clips of what you're doing. Just like, even just like a teaser of something like of you, like brewing up a story and then like cut it and then people be like, Whoa, wait. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then also to promote shows, um, obviously come to a Scream Queen show. You are not going to regret it. You will Um, not. Yeah. We are, um, hosting the after party for Sinister as we normally do. Um, it's going to be at a different venue this time. Um, actually, let me look at the name of the venue. (laughs) I remember it's a brewery, but... (laughs) You know, I had actually, I had bought tickets to Sinister Creature Con back when COVID first hit. Hmm. And so, like, I had VIP tickets, and I was super stoked to go. And then, of course, COVID hit, and it got canceled or postponed, and then canceled, and then postponed again. And then, like, they were like, oh, well, we'll honor it at next year's event, you know, and then... I don't, I don't think I was able to go or anything like that. So I, I still have yet to be to a Sinister Creature Con, but I really want to go. Yeah, you definitely should go. It's really fun. Um, I'm going to try to get there for this, like the actual con part. We'll see what time I wake up that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be held at uh, Bottle and Barlow. Um, yeah, okay. so that show is at 9 p.m. Um, it's going to be like the main cast of, uh, sorry, outdoors, the main cast of, um, of, uh, of Scream Queens. Um, I think we'll be missing, uh, Sriracha, uh, but I think, I think everyone else is going to be there. Uh, But yeah, um, also if you are in the San Francisco Bay area or willing to travel because it's worth it, um, I host a show every first Wednesday over at the SF powerhouse. Um, it is called Horror with a W because we're a bunch of slips and whores. Um, and <laughs> we also love blood and grossness. So, yeah, if you are ever in the city on a random Wednesday, uh, well, first Wednesday, not a random one, but <laughs> um, a very strategically placed yeah, Wednesday. A very strategic random Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, our show starts at 10 p.m., but we're I'm always there at 8 o'clock, so um, come drink a beer with me. Um, and yeah, other than that, just follow my Instagram and you'll see where I be. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, lastly, if any of the listeners would like to donate to the Drag Defense Fund, you can do so at action.aclu.org slash give slash support dash drag dash defense dash fund it's a mouthful so i'm gonna link it down below if you're watching on youtube if you're listening to the audio it'll be in the episode description and if you have feedback on this or any other episode you can send it to feedback at dabdeath.com or message me on any of the socials at dabdeath unless you're on instagram then it's dabdeath podcast thank you for listening or watching Thank you, Red, for being here. And until next time, be careful out there. You never know when you may get dabbed to death.